From the Partnership for Public Service, you're listening to Transition Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at presidential transitions. I'm David Marchick. Today on Transition Lab, we're joined by Lisa Brown. Lisa has had a long and distinguished career both inside and outside of government. During the Clinton administration, she was Vice President Al Gore's General Counsel and served in the Department of Justice. And during the first years of the Obama administration, Lisa served as White House Staff Secretary and then became Acting Chief Performance Officer at OMB, a very important post. Currently, she's Vice President and General Counsel at Georgetown University. We brought Lisa on this podcast to talk about the process of agency review. That's one of the most important components of any transition effort. During the Obama-Biden transition, Lisa was one of the co-directors of the agency review teams. And today, we're lucky to have one of the most knowledgeable people about this in the country. Lisa, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I am a transition nerd, as friends have referred to me before, so I'm really happy to be here. That's a high calling, and I now call myself one, and I've learned a lot from you. So thanks thanks for being a nerd so and a transition nerd. So let me start with just your background, which is you grew up in Washington. You went away for school and law school. How did you end up back in D.C. and getting into politics? So as you indicate, I am a D.C. native, and I think it's sort of hard to grow up in D.C. without sort of policy and politics being a little bit in your blood. And I happen to have a grandfather who came to D.C. when they first set up the SEC. And so he was of the Dean Acheson era and in and out of government. And so I, I obviously had that as an example. And when I, I went to law school because I saw law as a tool to bring about positive change and can think of no better way than working particularly in the government, public, you know, federal or state for that matter, where you can really make life better for people. And so that was sort of my, my calling to politics. One of the things I admire about you is you have shared your knowledge of this with both Republicans and Democrats on a nonpartisan basis. And you've shared your knowledge through the Partnership for Public Service. So let me ask you one question about Georgetown, which is what's going on at Georgetown with COVID and students on campus? Is it normal? Is it abnormal? What's what's the status? It is definitely not normal. It's not, not what any of us would have wanted or hoped for for the fall. We started the fall online. So every student is taking their courses on Zoom. And we do have about 500 students on campus. So international students, students where home was not conducive to effectively studying. So, and for them, it's far from normal there. We have all sorts of health and safety protocols for being on campus. And so it's, it is not your normal social life on a college campus right now. Let's move to agency review. For our listeners who may not be transition nerds like you and I are, what is an agency review team and what do people on that team do? The president, as you obviously know, oversees over a hundred government departments, agencies, commissions, and boards. When he or she takes office, they are then in charge of all of those agencies. And so the goal of agency review is that when they actually start governing on inauguration day, they are ready to hit the ground running. And what that means is 
that we, the agency teams collect information about each agency that is critical information that the president and his or her senior key advisors need to make strategic policy, budgetary, and personnel decisions. Transitions are actually a time of vulnerability because you don't want gaps when one president leaves and another one comes in, particularly if it's a time of crisis. You want to make sure that when the new team comes in, they have the information they need to handle the crisis of the day and then also to start implementing the priorities of the new president. And if you think about COVID, in many ways, that's a good example, right? We want to make sure during the transition that the uh, president-elect knows exactly what the government has been doing, what plans are in place, so that when they come into office, they and their you know, secretary of HHS, CDC, et cetera, can move straight in and continue fighting what is the biggest crisis that we're fighting today. So and obviously agency review teams only are activated should the challenger win. So, you know, Secretary Clinton had four to 500 people lined up to do this work on the day after the election. Obviously, she didn't win the election. And so the agency review people kind of put their pens down, but they were ready to go. Right. That That's actually a good point, because there is work that is done pre-election and the partnership has actually been super helpful. The partnership has briefed both candidates at that point and their teams. But then post-election, you then can actually go into the agencies. But there's a lot of preparatory work that is done before you even know that you're going to be the person who wins. So let's walk through your timeline. So you were tapped to do this in 2008 in the summer or? Yes, it was early, if I recall correctly, early July. Early July. So you're tapped to do this. And then the first thing you did was recruit people that could be leaders and recruit other people. It's kind of like a large pyramid that you want to recruit and recruit and recruit. What did you do? That's exactly right. The first thing that we did, and I was working the way that the Obama-Biden transition was structured, Don Gipps and Melody Barnes were co-chairs with me of agency review. And the three of us, the first thing we did was to set up a structure. So we had a senior team, agency review working group, that had eight other individuals, each of whom was responsible for a group of agencies. And then each of those individuals chose a person to lead each individual agency review and to put together the team for each individual agency. And so how many people did you recruit to be ready the day after the election? I recall that we had over 500 people total and that there were about 350 who actually went into agencies after the election. Well, you have a great memory because I actually looked it up and talked to people that know. And so here's the data. So the Obama-Biden team had 349 people that were cleared to go into the agencies. There were a lot of people that didn't go into the agencies that were supporting that team. And you covered 62 agencies. In 2016, the Trump team had 328 people that were cleared to go to the agencies, and they covered 42 agencies. And so what were the 150 people that didn't actually go into the agencies? What did they do? So there's a lot of work that is done pre-election, as I was, was indicating, that is research. And I we definitely had a team of people that was doing 
research on each of the agencies, the sort of nitty gritty of what's their budget and their authorities and how many per people do they have? What are all their divisions? So some of it would have been those. And some of it may have also been that there were people that worked pre election that then didn't actually go into agencies post-election. And what type of people did you recruit? Did they all have to have had federal experience before or were they just smart people that can figure it out? It, there is a premium, particularly pre-election on people who've been in the agencies before, right? If you think about it, we had 77 days between the election and inauguration in which to get your head around what is going on in each of these agencies. So there's a real premium on having people who are knowledgeable about the agencies. And that tends to be people who have worked there previously. Were these all volunteers or were some of them paid or were there's a mix? Ours were all volunteers. And I should say one other thing, which is we were really careful pre-election. The transition effort was distinct from the campaign effort. We wanted people who were on the campaign to do what they were supposed to be doing, which was to go win the election. And meantime, you had a separate team of people who were working on agency review. And then after election, you could incorporate some of the people from the campaign. Right. And Mike Levitt, the former governor and who ran the uh, Romney transition team, he was on Transition Lab and he made this clear that the campaign makes policy and the transition teams prepare to implement that should their candidate win. That's exactly right. And then the other big thing that the transition teams do is identify for each agency what is going to hit you in the face when you walk in the door. So what are the things that are going on that you're going to have to handle immediately? And also to identify those things that you may want to change really quickly. The work of the agency review teams is really aimed at the early part of the administration, right? It's aimed at the day you take office at the first 100 days. So it's prioritizing issues for that period of time. And then the cabinet member has the chance to go into the agency and things evolve over time. But I think that was part of how we were really trying to prioritize issues was to be able to focus on the beginning, the key issues at the beginning of the administration. Because presumably once there's a cabinet officer that's been there for three, six months, they have their sea legs, they're ready, and they're now moving forward and not just looking at information that was developed during the transition or prior to the election. Okay, so let's continue with the timeline. So you were recruited in July, and then you recruited, I think there were eight leaders of, of kind of clusters of agencies. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And so you had an economic cluster, a foreign policy cluster, et cetera. And then those eight people recruited individuals that would lead 62 agencies. Is that the way it worked? Yes. We actually allocated all 100 plus departments, agencies, commissions, and boards, but we tiered them. So Department of Justice and Treasury and HHS, right? Those are tier one agencies. Tier two and then tier three. And a lot of the boards and commissions were in tier three. And many of those were handled by, like the Treasury review team could handle a smaller, a commissioner board that's related to treasury, but you wouldn't need a full large team the way that you do for the big agencies. And so for a big agency, say the treasury department, let's take one of the four big agencies. So treasury, justice, DOD, and state. So how big would that agency review team be? 
when you think about how large the agency is, this number is not going to sound all that large, but it was probably about 20. 20. Okay. And so you have a lead and then you have people assigned to policy, you have people assigned to personnel. How did you organize each team? So they were more organized by area. So particularly with a large agency, because there are sub agencies within these large agencies. So at the Department of Justice, for example, you would have somebody that was focusing on the Office of Civil Rights. You'd have somebody focusing on the criminal division. So it was more about the substance of the agency. And then within that substance, part of what they did do, obviously policy was a big piece of it, right? What's going on as a policy matter within that area? And are there particular personnel needs within that area? But the transition had a separate personnel team and had separate policy teams. So the way that we integrated policy into the agency review was that we actually mapped out each of candidate Obama's promises to the agencies. So if I'm going into Treasury, I know exactly what candidate Obama has said about Treasury and what I need to think about. How are we going to go about implementing that quickly? Let me ask you maybe a sensitive question. So there are thousands of people working on the Biden campaign. Presumably, many of them want jobs. Presumably, many of them would say, geez, if I'm not on an agency review team, I'm not going to get a job. So what's the correlation between people serving on agency review teams and going into the administration? So I guess I'd say two things here. One, there is a pretty high correlation of people who go in, who've been on the teams, who go into the agencies. But there are also a number of people who serve on the teams because they worked at the agency before, care deeply about it, and then go back to their academic perch or you know whatever else that they're, they're doing at the time. And these teams are small, as I indicated, and there is such a time crunch that it really is not the time to be getting somebody up to speed on an agency. And I think what's important for campaign folks to remember is that there are a lot of government positions, positions that are filled after the president takes office. And so you don't have to be on an agency review team in order to get a job. We actually pulled the data on the Obama agency review team. So there are around 120, 130 leads of different agencies or co-leads. About 50% of those had worked in the agencies they were reviewing for you. About 20% of those went on to serve in Senate-confirmed roles in the first two years of the administration, and another 10% went on to serve at some point in the future. What's also interesting is what you said is that a lot of the people, they want to help, they want to do this, but then they want to go back to their normal lives. And about 45% of the agency review leads never went into the Obama administration. So it really is a mix of people that may want to go in and a mix of people that just want to help and then want to go back to their other lives. It's so great that the data backs up what my impression was. <laughs> One of the things that we're very focused on at the partnership is the career workforce, really the guts of most agencies. And so what we advise is humility, you know, that agency review teams, when they come in, they're heady you know, their chest is out, they're maybe a little peacocky, they just won the election, they think they're pretty smart. 
did you tell all the agency review people on your team, no egos, be respectful? Like what was, what was the culture that you tried to create? Um, We had literally no drama, Obama and no ego were, were very important. And part of what we emphasized to the teams is that they were essentially raising the flag as they went into the agencies. They were representing President-elect Obama. And so it was really important how they comported themselves. And especially if you've ever worked in the government, you realize how critically important career employees are, right? They are in these agencies, they're the ones who know how to get things done. And so you need them to be your friends. You need to be collaborating with them. And the worst thing that you could do during agency review is to go in and alienate the career staff, because you will find that it is much harder to get things done when you take office. And how do the career officials at the agencies receive the agency review teams? Are they happy to see them? Are they unhappy to see them? Are they rolling their eyes because they've been through many political bosses and this is just another one? Like, How does that work? So I have found that career employees are professionals and they are accustomed to a change in political administration. And those who are in the more senior positions have been through a number of different transitions and they tend to be very professional about it. They care about the mission of their agency. They care about the work that they're doing. And so they do want to partner with you to get that work done. Well, that's great. And it sounds like you approach this with skill and grace in terms of creating this no drama culture, which I'm sure was well received by the agencies because the career people, they just want to do a good job. Yeah, right. So let's talk about the deliverables. You start in July recruiting eight team leads, and then you and those team leads recruit people to essentially perform this agency review function for 62 agencies. What were their instructions? What are the deliverables that they had to give to you, to the transition team, and then eventually to the cabinet secretary designate? So we were very clear about exactly what we wanted from the teams. And I think this is important because you need to get the information in an organized and digestible way. And if you think about the president-elect digesting memos on each of these agencies, it's really helpful for the information to be in exactly the same format for each agency and for the information to be prioritized in the sense of what does the president-elect and cabinet-elect really need to know. So we had a, what we affectionately referred to a two-pager, a 20-pager, and then a much larger user data file. And the two-pager was really meant to be, it was top line. I think of it as articulating, sort of having an offense piece and a defense piece, because part of it was identify the strategic priorities and opportunities at the agency. So what are the major commitments that the president-elect has made that relate to that agency? What's the strategic vision for the agency? What are the opportunities for very quickly starting to implement the promises and priorities of the new administration? And then on defense, what are the major looming issues? Is there, is there legislation pending you have to worry about? Are there important regulatory issues, litigation that's going on where you may want to be changing position? And one other piece that kind of goes through this is budget priorities. Because as you talk about, your, the, the audiences for this were the president-elect in terms of informing his decision about cabinet, the a group that's going to be putting together the budget, 
and then the cabinet nominees. So our, a lot, our work product was also used in helping to prepare cabinet nominees for their hearings. So the president-elect would actually review some of these memos, or you all would summarize and take kind of the salient parts and put that in a memo for the president-elect? We actually have a very clear memory of giving president, well, actually, he wasn't even president-elect yet then because it was pre-election. This information, some of this information is needed quite early. That was, I think, the biggest lesson that I learned through this this process was to expect that the work product is going to be needed sooner than you think it is. And this was one example of that, which is we, I remember giving him all of these memos as he was thinking about his cabinet appointments. And we gave him the two pagers. So right. That was pre-election. Yes. So who's the ultimate audience for this vast amount of material that the agency review teams produce? The the president-elect will read some summary of the top agency priorities and issues. And then is the next audience the cabinet secretary designate? Yes, that's exactly right. It is for, as they prepare for their hearings, the cabinet secretary designate absorbs this information. And again, I think I can't, I guess, say frequently enough how important it is that you prioritize the information that you are giving to these individuals, which is why we did these outlines. Literally, we did outlines of the two-pager and the 20-pager so that what is received is usable. And I think the large data file we compiled, I always thought of as more of a resource for the senior team in an agency when they go in, but it is so comprehensive. It's helpful as a resource, but it's not necessarily helpful as you are trying to get your head around what are the most salient issues that I'm going to have to manage at this agency. So pre-elect, there's public research and there's research done based on the experience of the agency review teams. Post-elect, You send people into the agencies and there's a significant dialogue and back and forth. So what type of back and forth is there typically between those agency review people and both the political level people and the career level people in the agencies? So the way that we structured this was the pre-election work that was done. Part of your job was to identify questions. So you knew that there was an issue at an agency, but you didn't know exactly what the status of it was, right? All you would know is what's public. And so you would go into the agencies with essentially a series of areas that you were expected to dig into to learn more about. Because what you do get access to post-election is non-public information. And if you think about, there's a lot of government work that goes on that isn't in the press every single day. And so to really understand the status of usually the more sensitive work of an agency, requires talking to people who are working on it day to day. And would they be cooperative or do they kind of have an attitude of like, why are you asking me this? You're not really the people who are going to be in this agency. I'll wait for the cabinet secretary to be here. As a general matter, they were cooperative. There were a couple of bumps and usually it was over um, access to particularly sensitive information. We had a whole protocol for you had to have a clearance and you had to have signed a non-disclosure agreement if you had act, were going to get access to classified information. But we, if you got non-public information, you also had to sign an agreement where you indicated that you knew that you couldn't disclose that. And so sometimes there were debates over what couldn't couldn't be shared. And I'll just offer a comment. The partnership has worked on improving this area of the law 
And since you did this in 2008, there has been a couple of amendments to the, the Presidential Transition Act. The main one was called the Ted Kaufman and Mike Levitt Presidential Improvements Act, and it changed the law in this area. So when when you did it with Obama, you and the Bush administration signed an, a memorandum of understanding that governed the way this worked. That was signed post-election. Now that MOU is required pre-election. Second is that the agencies now are required to have a career official in charge of this process and the entire transition per each agency. That's a significant improvement. The one thing you did have in 2008, which was a 2004 innovation that was post 9-11, was you had access to clear people and get them security clearances. So I think that on your team, I, I pulled the data and you had about 170 people that had security clearances that went into the agencies because DOD, the CIA, Homeland Security, and other agencies, they're sharing classified information with the agency review teams. And so you need cleared people. You're exactly right. We had the, our lists of people to go into the agencies and they had clearance before the, before the election so that they're ready to go the day after the election. And let me add one other thing on, on the question earlier about career staff, because President Bush and his team in the White House really set the tone for, even though we didn't have the statute, statutory provisions that you've described, they set the tone for collaboration. They wanted to ensure that it was as seamless a transition as possible. Now, this was after 9-11, and so they had a real sense of responsibility to the country, and we both did. And so having them set that tone with the agencies, I'm sure, facilitated the response by the agencies as well. And I think much of what our work ended up being codified um, in the statute and to, as you point out, with some earlier dates, which is terrific. Yes. And because every transition, there are lessons learned and things get better. And people like you say, I wish I did this better. And that's codified in law. And that's also shared with future transition teams, whether they're Republican or Democrat, which is one of the great things about this area, which is it's truly nonpartisan, good government oriented. What were the major headaches or pain points you had in the agency review process in 2008? I think the biggest challenge is it, it's a massive organizational challenge. If you think about how much work you are doing in a very short period of time. And I think we were in that in-between area where era where it was still a little bit considered to be measuring the drapes if you focused on transition. So we worked in complete secrecy for a period of time. And I think one of the wonderful things the partnership has done is to say, no, it's not measuring the drapes, it's being responsible. Because if setting up these teams, out figuring out what the work product is that you want, training everybody, getting them into the agencies, figuring out the collaboration and intersection between the policy group and the agency teams, between personnel and the agency teams, all of that is a, just a massive organizational effort. And you can't do that in the 77 days between the election and inauguration. Yeah. I remember when I first took on this role, we went to lunch and you were nice enough to share some of your knowledge with me. And one of the things I remember from that lunch is you, and you've had some pretty big jobs in the White House twice, in the Department of Justice. Now at Georgetown, you have a big job. I remember you saying that you worked harder on the transition than anything else you've ever done in your life. Yep. That is 
That remains true. So looking back, Lisa, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started the agency review process? I think one thing I've mentioned before, which is you need to anticipate demand for your work product quite early. And so the pre-election work that you do is vital and it is supplemented with the post-election work, but, and post-election, you really do want to get people into the agencies very quickly so that you get that information fast to inform policy and to inform personnel, particularly confirmation hearings. But if you start thinking about, as you're going to be actually taking office, the sooner you have all of that information, the better. And I think the other area that I think needs to be backed up is personnel. The personnel process is a real challenge when you think about the number of political appointments that are being made and getting those people into agencies. And it all has to date always ended up being a log jam. And so I think thinking earlier, not just about your cabinet, nominees, but also about the other political appointments that you're going to be making in agencies would facilitate actually getting people into agencies sooner post-election. That's such an important point. I'll just give you some data there. So there are 4,000 political appointments, 1,250 of them need to be confirmed by the Senate. The Obama team had the best ever launch, the fastest launch of any transition team. At day 100, of the 1,250 nominees that need to be confirmed by the Senate, they had 69. The Trump team at day 100 had 28. It's almost hard to imagine 100 days into a new administration only having 28 political appointees that have been confirmed by the Senate. These are cabinet secretaries, deputy secretaries, and others. So you're absolutely right on the speed and early planning requirements associated with personnel. I was just going to add a couple other things on the on the lessons learned side. And I think it one would be to really think about how do you best integrate policy teams with the agency review teams and making sure that the, you know, we really did it in this in part. Well, part of it was that Melody Barnes, who was one of the co-chairs, ran policy for the campaign. We mapped out, as I indicated, the, all the promises that candidate Obama had made um, against the agencies, but I think really integrating policy and, and agency review is important. And then the other thing, one challenge that we encountered, and I don't know the answer to how you fix this, is that roles evolve over the transition. So Melody and Don and I are running agency review. Early on after the election, Melody is announced as the incoming domestic policy advisor. I'm announced as staff secretary and Don is working on personnel matters. And so you you risk losing continuity if you aren't careful. And I think you have to have to think about how do you create a structure with enough redundancy that the critical work continues and can absorb, the system can absorb somebody starting to take on a new role. Right. So my final question is, I'm sure when you took on this role, you studied what happened in the 2000 election. President Bush only had a 37-day transition because the of the disputed election in Florida and the Supreme Court ruling, and he was named president basically on December 13th. And so this year, 
because of COVID and because of the fact that ballots could be delayed coming in, there's a pretty good possibility we're not going to know the name of the president-elect on the you know the day after the election. So if you were part of the Biden agency review team, what would you be doing to prepare for the possibility that you might have a shortened transition? I think it puts a premium on engaging people who have worked in the government before. And that that is not to say you you don't want fresh blood when you take up when you actually enter office on inauguration day and after because you absolutely want a mix of new people and previous experience. But I think the advantage that uh, Biden has is that he's but Democrats have been out of power for not yet 4 years. And so there's a lot of knowledge that people have that will still be relevant. So I think you can get a long way there based on public information and working closely with people with really deep experience in these agencies, knowledge about the ongoing issues in the agencies. And I think that you just have to do absolutely as much as you can that way so that you then you narrow the, the piece that you get when you actually go into the agencies in person. Sage advice based on great experience. Well, Lisa Brown, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for your great work on a nonpartisan basis on agency review. And, and thanks for your service to our country. Oh, my pleasure. And David, thank you to you for all the fabulous work that you're doing with the partnership right now. Thank you. If you like Transition Lab, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app.